kirtan is coming from the tree branch, the limb of yoga. So it's about the yoga of devotion. And you do it not only that the fact that you're singing, but you're singing in Sanskrit, an ancient Indo-European language that is considered to be very, very healing. You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm Maya Acosta, and I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. Well, friends, this is going to be a fun conversation with Angela Fischetti, who specializes in working with senior adults as a physical fitness and yoga instructor. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. And also, she will offer us a video just for you, for my listener. So let's learn about Angela. Angela Fischetti is a physical fitness yoga instructor and massage therapist specializing in wellness for older adults. She began teaching seniors in her 30s at a time when she embarked on her own tough healing journey. Three decades later, a senior herself, Ms. Fischetti, combines years of experience and research with a unique combination of empathy and encouragement for older adults seeking a healthy lifestyle. Ms. Fischetti also researches latest finds in senior personal fitness and consults with each client's medical practitioners for tailored workouts. As a massage therapist, she also works with geriatric patients with memory and other delicate disorders who benefit from gentle touch and movement in palliative care. Clients enjoy working with Ms. Fischetti for many reasons, including her attention to detail, but also her sense of humor. Based in Miami Beach, Ms. Fischetti has served South Florida clients for over 20 years. Brooklyn born with a background in Shakespearean theater and a lifelong passion for song, Ms. Fischetti is also a devoted companion to felines. Angela has a special exercise video just for you, my listeners. So make sure to visit my YouTube channel, that's Healthy Lifestyle Solutions, to watch it right after this interview. I will provide a link to the video in the show notes. I hope that you enjoy. So welcome, Angela. How are you today? I'm very well, Maya. So happy to be here with you. Thank you. I'm happy that you're here. I'm, I'm very excited about the work that you do with older uh, clients. And uh, we're going to, you know, your story actually is very fascinating because, um, and I had the opportunity to read some information that you, you sent ahead of time. And really, most of what you have experienced and lived has really contributed to where you are today and why you're so effective in terms of how you work with people. Um, you've battled a lot of health issues, and we will talk about those as well. Your story starts very early on at age four. Can you tell us about uh, your relationship with Lassie? Lassie, uh, yes, thank you. This is very sweet. I've never really shared about her before. But yeah, so we, we lived in a house that was like a split house and we had aunt and uncle upstairs and then they, in our immediate family downstairs. And um, I, uh, Lassie was my dog, even though she wasn't technically, she was my aunt and uncle's dog, but I took her, she was my dog. And, uh, and she became, um, uh, at that time, uh, the dynamic in the house was, uh, turbulent and a, and a bit dark. 
And uh, so Lassie was my, my best friend, my protector. Oh my God. She was so protective of me. Um, and she was um, almost like a child too. I mean, I was four, but like, you know, you had that kind of girly, like mommy thing in you with the dolls and all that, especially back then. And we had the baby carriage that was the size of a, a humans, you know, and, um, and, and she would just let me play with her, dress her up. And I would put her in the carriage and she would just stay there for me. And, um, because of the dynamic in the house, I, um, I, I, I started early on with what later became a lifetime issue of insomnia. And so she was my nighttime buddy. Nobody knew, nobody in the household knew I was up and, and Lassie and I would be playing, but not like, you know, quietly, really quietly. And there were times we would sleep underneath my, my aunt, uncle's kitchen table on the floor, just snuggled up or yeah, it was an incredible experience. And, but what became firmly entrenched for me was because of Lassie and named that way, because back then every dog was right. Um, what, what became entrenched in my soul in, it was visceral, my love of animals. We later on had a duck, a, a baby little duck, you know, I just fell in love with the duck and, um, but we only had that duck for a short while. Um, so she was also, uh, which I think happens to a lot of children. She was my first death, my first experience of death. And I do remember going into the bathroom and, and just sitting down and crying, my lassie, my poor, poor lassie. And um, it was a profound experience with her. And I'm forever grateful for that. And um, But after her passing, we really didn't have animals in the household for quite some time. And, um, and it was kind of concurrent with, um, I started... Uh, by the age of nine, 10, I uh, was so into singing and I went for singing lessons at 10 years old. And my singing hero to this day is Judy Garland. Just, oh my God. Um, and um, so I was in school and it was safe for me in school. It was safer. So I would stay in school and do the rehearsals and I was in every show and chorus and whatever, anything to do with performing and acting, I was there. And I carried that through high school. And um, at the end of high school, I then moved on and went to acting conservatory in Manhattan. I was actually on scholarship with Stella Adler and, and then eventually got jobs in theater. And I was traveling the country in uh, Shakespearean plays. And, um, but while that was happening, I was, um, I, that's back when Jane Fonda came out with her whole workout and the, 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 I don't think it was a VCR or something or something, right. With the videotape, but I got the cassette and I got the book and I went on the, that tour, the acting tour, and I would be in the, the, the hotel room working out. So part of that came from, I'm just thinking, part of it came from as a kid, my brother, I was his brother. He was five years older. And back then we called somebody like me a tomboy. 
I did. I played football with the guys and they were five years older. I would be seven. He had me all bundled up with a football helmet, the shoulder pads. I had the knee pads, everything. And he would say, you're short enough, duck your head and get him in the stomach. Just knock him out. And that's the stuff. So I got really into sports and exercise from a pretty young age. And it was in an unusual time frame. So I carried that through to when I was acting and, and, um, touring. And, um, the thing about it is though, that it became another passion. I loved fitness as much as I did theater. And, um, so what happened was I, um, after acting, I, I shelved that and decided to focus more on fitness. That's when I met my ex-husband. So we met, I think it was like 87 or 88. Around then is when John Robbins' book, Diet for a New America, came out. Prior to that, another animal entered our lives. And her name was uh, Honey Bunny. She was a cat. But the thing about her is uh, she found us. And it was unbelievable. One night we opened the door, but you see, it was dark out. We didn't turn on a light on the outside. So we opened the door, turned on the light, and there was Honey Bunny on our living room carpet. And she was just, and she was talking out loud and she was rolling around. And this little thing, she had a collar, but it was a flea collar. And, um, so what I did is I went to a couple of the local vets offices and I was like, took a picture and is this anybody's cat? Because I was so hoping it would not be, you know, I was like, I want that cat. And well, she, she was with me, um, for the next 20 years because Honey Bunny passed at 21. And when she passed, I had had her for more than half my adult life. At that point in time, it was unbelievable. She was an amazing animal. She would let me literally use her as a pillow. My head would be on her. Just, I'm not kidding you. She just, it was, she, she, she lived with me in four different homes, apartments. She was around for when I had, uh, after I met the ex-husband, um, we got, but he and I got married in 89 and by then I had, um, decided when I read John Robbins diet for new America and I had honey bunny, I can't justify eating animal flesh. I just can't. And, um, and a friend of mine had introduced me to the book. And interestingly enough, the friend read the book, but then never, you know, embraced being at least at that time vegetarian, which I did. And um, the thing I didn't give up was the classic Italian cheese. I just didn't give it up. And, and um, I thought that was perfectly okay. But now all these decades later, I know that that what that was was just the pleasure trap of salt, oil, and sugar combination, and that seems to be to this day the thing that people are addicted to um, that combination, and also that particular food, right? Cheese, you hear it constantly. I, I can't give up my cheese. Um, so I was I was vegetarian, and um, but unfortunately with the marriage, it got it got pretty dark 
pretty fast because we were divorced by 1992. So what had happened with me is though I had gone, I had um, transitioned to vegan, anytime I had an emotional upheaval in my life, it was back to vegetarian and it was back to the cheese. But each time was harder hit. Um, it started to become a real eating disordered problem where I started with binging, purging. I used Epicac, um, anorexia. I, it, they called it back then bulimorexia. And, um, especially if one abused exercise and the difference between my training today, and I train a lot of hours, but for different reasons. Now, back then it was try to work off the, those binges. I mean, it was, I'm not kidding you. It ha- when I heard Chuck Carroll talk about 10,000 calories, I'm like, I, I know I did that. I know I was capable of that back then. And I will share something with you. We were living in Park Slope, Brooklyn. It was back then it was even fantastic. And um I would walk the streets at night again not wanting to go home to face what was happening at home. And um I literally ate out of garbage pails. City garbage pails. Yeah, okay? And what was the thing I went after? Chocolate anything chocolate. Pathetic, right? Unbelievable to even to, and I'm saying it out loud, but you know, what am I going to hide here? Okay. Cause that was my experience. And so what I did was I was still married. We were still married. We we're having some issues. Um, I decided I needed help, serious help. And because I was starting to look at some yoga Now we're talking about 91, all right, Um, 92. And in Yoga Journal, I read an ad for a rehab for addicts. And I was like, well, if this is an addict behavior, then what is, all right? I mean, come on. And so, um, and it was out in Arizona. I don't remember the city, if it was Tucson or Phoenix, honestly, I don't remember. But it was on a farm. And, um, it was for a full month and what it was, was run by yoga Sikhs of the Kundalini yoga heritage, but they were all MDs or RNs, every one of them. And the program, thank God I did that program. The, the program, um, consisted of 12 step. Now, it was more of a general 12-step because it, we were all different addicts together. And let me, let me also tell you that I was in, I shared a room with a sex addict. We would be up at night. And let me tell you, the laughter coming out of that room, she would tell me stories and I'd be like, I'm from Brooklyn. I, I think I heard it all. I never heard nothing like this stuff. I know. It was just like, oh, my God. So there was just, it, there was no holds barred. And uh, what was required of us was the 12 step meetings. There was also some degree of um, one-on-one therapy, um, group therapy, 
We also did um, two to three Kundalini yoga classes every day in an unair conditioned barn in in, an, in the Arizona desert. Okay, and I don't know if people know about what Kundalini yoga is. Um, kundalini yoga is not Hatha yoga. So typically, when people think of of yoga, they think of the Hatha yoga poses. No, it's its own lineage, and it has its own like ma- mantras, finger mudras, kriyas, all of it. So you'll be in a you'll be in a position like this, and you'll be holding your arms up like this. And, and, and sitting, but in seated cross-legged on the floor. And you're doing this with breath of fire for 15 minutes straight. And then you go into something else for another 15 minutes. So the brilliance of kundalini yoga for an addict is that it goes after and targets the endocrine system and it goes after the glands. So we were just ringing ourselves. We were like a literally like a a dish rag wringing out our body, detoxifying. The food was vegetarian, but mostly vegan. And we didn't do any drugs, no medications. We did herbs and each person had their own protocol. So I was highly influenced by that as I went later on into my life. You know, Um, when I came home from the rehab, Uh, They warned me because my ex-husband also was an addict. He was uh, an alcoholic and a drug addict. His, uh, his, um, his drug of choice was pot and the, the liquor of choice was really wine, but two bottles a day. And, um, when I came home prior to coming home, I called him and asked him to please empty the freezer of anything chocolate. I just, it's kind of like when Chef AJ says, if it's in your house, it's in your mouth. So I knew I need to back then, even though I didn't realize it was about having a clean environment the way I understand that now, back then I just asked for help with that. I came home, I went to the freezer, I opened up the door and there was one, it was empty, but there was one quart of Haagen-Dazs chocolate ice cream right there staring at me. And I looked at that Maya and I said, we're not going to make it. We're not going to make it because he's not ready yet for his journey, you know? And, um, and then the, uh, the final straw was in one of his drunken stupors. He closed the window on honey bunny's tail. And to this day, I can, I can hear the, blood curdling screams. She sounded like a woman screaming. And I came out and I just lifted the window, grabbed Honey Bunny and looked at him and I said, we're so over. And that was it. Do you think this was accidental or intentional? I believe it was intentional. He hated her. Oh my goodness. And then, so part of what I know from recovery is that, especially if there are two people that are addicts, once one gets on the right path, it's almost like you have to drop the other person, right? Yeah, it was sad. It was sad from that, you know, but you can't, you you can't stay in that. And also, listen, I was a major contributor to the demise of that marriage. 
I'm not saying this is one-sided, not by any stretch of the imagination. It's just that I was ready to take another path, even though I got haunted by some relapses at time. You know, Dr. Chen Hawk talks about how relapse is a part of recovery. She's absolutely right, you know. So anyhow, what had happened was um, I was working in a gym at that time at Eastern Athletic Clubs. I'm proud to say it. And it was in uh, Park Slope and also in Brooklyn Heights. And um, what what had actually happened was that they had um, brought me in as a trainer. I'd gotten myself certified in 1990 with American Council on Exercise. I'm still certified with them. And, um, but because I was vegetarian, vegan trainer and a female trainer back then, I was like, who is this? And what is she about with the male trainers? Oh man, that was not easy. And Maya, there would be times like if I went to another gym to work out, the stuff I would get from men, they wouldn't give up the bench for me for chest press. And they would come up to me and say, you got to get off that bench. I got to use it. And you know, I'm Aries and I'm Brooklyn born and I'm American Italian. So, and I would just be like, really? And I would just go back down onto my bench and just do my thing because you have to hold, you have to hold your ground and you have to claim it. And as a woman, you got, you got it. You just got to take power on your own two feet. And for me, from back then, this is what training did for me. Exercise did this for me through the body to get stronger and to help my, my soul, my mind. But still, there were still relapses. Um, so what had happened then is after I moved out, I went into uh, another house, another apartment building, also in Park Slope, and I was able to stay there uh, was a su- very sweet, sweet story. Um, my my uncle lived in an apartment in Brooklyn in a building that used to be owned by my grandparents. And that building was like my second home. And um, he wasn't well. And at that time he was hospitalized. And um, he said to my mother, I was, uh, he called me monkey. I was, uh, his, that was my nickname, Uncle Nicky. And he said to my mother, tell the monkey she can move in here. The next day he passed away. The apartment became available. So I moved from the other part of Park Slope, but I moved into a, an apartment that had all these guardian angels, you know, honey bunny came with me and I, I was able to keep my job with the gym. And, um, over time I, I started to feel a bit better and, um, started bringing in, oh, a lot of cats, a lot of cats. <laughs> oh, slowly, but surely, uh, when, when honey bunny was 12 years old, I started bringing in other cats. Um, it was, it was a tough time after the divorce in dealing with the eating disorder stuff again. Uh, but it was the exercise that helped pull me through that. And I did some therapies. Um, however, I made the decision, um, to go to a psychiatrist because this was really only about a year 
after the divorce. So it was still kind of fresh. My, my behaviors were starting, my emotional behaviors were getting very, very erratic. And, um, and, and the, the, the insomnia was incredibly pervasive. So I don't know if you recall this, this time frame, but this is back when Patty Duke made manic depression like this new um, diagnosis. And so, and the medication lithium was brand new. And this was apparently what saved her from manic depression. And this is what this psychiatrist diagnosed me with. And he also prescribed the same medication. Were at the time, were you resistant to it or were you okay because Patty Duke was now sort of promoting it? Yeah. And it was back then I, I didn't, I wanted help. So I see, here's the thing back then I didn't know about how little they test psychotropic drugs, SSRIs, um, antipsychotics. I mean, there's as short as six days of testing and then they get approved. I didn't know that back then. I just trusted the doctor and I trusted, okay, FDA approved. It's got to help me, you know? And that became, that, that begun a cycle of the next, I, I can't say exactly, but it'd be about 25 to 28 years of being on every single psychotropic medication that you can imagine. Um, I, I don't even remember all the names of them, but I do recall Prozac, Lithium, Klonopin, Seroquel, Zoloft, Lamotrigine, Lamictal. There were others. And um, the consistent, the constant in there would be the work, the exercise, and, um, and bringing in more cats. And, and I would just, I would rescue the cats from the street. They would find me. One of my cats, Sweetie Pie was her name. And, and I was so nerdy about the names. I still am. And um, she was born in my backyard. And she was with me. She moved down here with me to, to uh, South Beach in Miami Beach. Um, and she passed at 21 years old. You know, and, and then there was Barat. I got Barat from my best friend, Michael, who at the time was on his way out, transition from AIDS. And, and she was with me for about 14 years. She slept on my right foot every night, which she did with Michael. And uh, yeah, you know, and then there, and there, was, uh, there was Kitty, who I got from the bodega across the street from in, in Park Slope. And, um, and when I went over there, this little kitten started crawling up my leg. And she got up to my chest. And I took her and I, I said, she, I put her on my shoulder. She wrapped herself. I mean, she was small though, but she was, she put herself around my neck and I looked at the store owner and I said, um, Tavo, I'm taking her. And he goes to me, I don't care. Take her. She was here for the rats anyhow. And I was like, well, this cat's not going to be with any rats. So she come with me. And then there was Samson who I met on Atlantic Avenue in Brooklyn. And he, I heard a little 
kitten voice and I go over and I see him staring at me and he had the largest paws I ever saw in my life on a kitten and he came home. So at one point up there, it was a house of household of six of us. And yeah, it was, but it was an enormous apartment. It was a floor through. I had a basement. I had a backyard that was my neighbor would grow fresh produce and stuff. And my, it was my grandfather had started it. So it was, there was a lot of love there. It was a lot of beautiful stuff. Um, I had gone um, from vegan to a five-year journey of raw vegan. It was a never knowingly ate anything cooked and uh, was working out hard. Um, met, a, met a man. And we had, um, I don't know, it was a relationship of passion, but it was not, it was not something that was enriching. And um, it turned out that um, I actually needed to leave, physically leave, because um, he was a former professional boxer who they don't get, they don't lose that. They don't lose that instinct to want to just, and you know how many times I would see him punch people out. We'd take out a baseball bat out of his car. If somebody, you know, just cut him off and he'd smash the car. And I said, oh, I got to get out of this. I got to get away. Enough of this. Oh my God. So that's when I started coming down here to see what this was like, because I had a couple of psychiatrists who were friends of his say to me, He's never going to be able to see you with anybody else. He'll kill you first because he fits a profile. And so that's why I thought, I can't. I got to go. I got to get out. When you say move here is Miami. Now, yes, to um, Miami Beach. I find it interesting that the year that you left was the, you actually left right after 9-11. What had happened, Maya, was this was a very planned move. I mean, that I went back and forth here to Miami Beach every season because I want to see if I could handle the summer and all that. And I thought, listen, I handle the summer up in Brooklyn. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm two out. I'm two blocks from the ocean. I can handle it. So, um, my move in date was October 9th, 2001, but I planned that six months ahead of time. And I was down here painting this apartment, came home on September 9th, and then that hit. And what had happened was I had had five, six jobs secured here. But what we found out later on is that Miami Beach per capita, because it's, it's small, was the hardest hit financially from 9-11. And so five out of six jobs I lost. They were gone. The gyms all closed. So I really... I really had to scrape around to try to figure out, and it was deserted down here. You know, people weren't visiting or anything. And so, but the thing is, is that process. So I was still working at Eastern Athletic Club. The reason why I was profoundly affected by it, I lost, I knew about 30 people who died that day. Um, our gym was the first stop in Brooklyn after Wall Street. So back then, the prices of gyms in on in Brooklyn were f like much lower than the prices of gyms in Manhattan. 
And so we got a lot of the Wall Street people who came to our gym. We had a, our gym was 75,000 square feet. We had a basketball court and the fire department used to play there every day. And we lost so many of our membership. Um, and I'll, I tell you, I, uh, I, I lost what I'll say is a special fireman in my life. And his name was Fireman Dave. And I found out by going to the firehouse in Park Slope, I showed up because the next day and there was a poster of him. And that's how I found out he was gone. We used to do yoga together at the Union Street Yoga Center in Park Slope. Um, and so when I came here, I started to slip with the food again, back to vegetarian. And then I was here three months and my father passed away. I had started yoga teacher training at that point. So we're talking now uh, in um, the beginning of 2002. Um, and it was a wonderful avenue for me because I could put the emotion there. I didn't have to be afraid of binging and, and, and how I was eating. I was, I was done with purging for a long time. I never had, I hadn't purged probably in a decade or whatever it was. It was a really long time. And, um, but because I wasn't, I was gaining and gaining and gaining, but yoga is more accepting. And I stopped training for a while just for a little bit, um, and to focus solely on the yoga and, um, started to come out of that again, started to go back to vegan. And there I went again to raw vegan for another five years and, um, and had the five cats and, um, well, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, nah, I had, uh, four cats cause I was down here. Honey bunny had passed. Um, and um, that was a, an incredible journey because I went back also into, when I came here, I went back to my singing and to Kirtan and I cut an album and um, which I thoroughly enjoyed and it was beautiful. And you mentioned tapping earlier when we were talking and um, I wanted to tell you that tapping was actually a therapy that I used. I went to see um, a therapist down here who she utilized tapping in therapy. And she came to, she, when she was working on me and she tapped and she went like this to me, this is before I started singing again. She went like this, this and this, there's no connection. And when she said that to me, I went, I know what I have to do. For the listeners, I'm tapping my heart and I'm tapping my throat. And she said to me, there's no connection. And I went, okay, that's what preceded me going back to singing down here, to cutting an album. And I knew this was the only way to make that contact. Singing from your and, heart is what you're saying? Yes. Yes, absolutely. With your, with your heart. Okay. Singing from the heart, allowing for c that communication, compassionate communication. And also, I, I don't know how many of our listeners may not may or may not be familiar with Kirtan. Yeah. So two questions on that. Can you briefly describe what that is? And also, was your album in, were you actually singing Kirtan? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to actually send you one. 
When we're off, I want you to give me the address. Okay. I'm going to send you one as a thank yes. you. So yeah, I was singing mantras. So what it was is is kirtan is com- coming from the um, the tree branch, the limb of yoga. So it's about the yoga of devotion, and you do it through it, not only that the fact that you're singing, but you're singing um, in Sanskrit. In Sanskrit, basically for lack of a better description, is like an ancient Indo-European language that is considered to be very, very healing. It resonates on a very high frequency. So what can happen for some people who do kirtan, you can get to the point where you're not even saying like a an audible sound. You're just, sounds are coming out because it's for them, it's like sound therapy as well. Um, for me, it was about the melodies. Oh my God. It's the melodies and the intention behind the melodies that just trapped me. I was, I was like, how I was uh, this Brooklyn girl, you know, uh, singing in Sanskrit. It was such a fit for me for that time period. And, um, I do, I do miss it. I do miss it. Um, but this said, um, so I, I had done that. Um, and there were other losses, but, but eventually what had happened was, um, is this all led up to my best friend got very ill. And, um, we're talking now about 2010 or 11 and my and the last of the five the original five cats passed away in 2011 and I lost three of them in one year three of them because as soon as one went I went oh they were all brought up together and in the interim another one came into my home her name was posh she was named that and uh, I'll tell you a quick story about her before I tell you about my friend. She, uh, Posh was, uh, <laughs> everybody in the building knew me. I was the president of the building and they knew I was the cat lady. And so one day I hear the knock on the door and I open the door and it's young girl, young woman, I don't know, 20 something says to me, would you mind watching my kitten for me while I have to go home to Sweden? And I said, how old is this kitten? And she goes, oh, five, six months. So, all right, I can handle that. All right. And then she goes, um, I said, but I said to her, you coming back? And she goes, you know, she's really pretty and young and I'm going, I don't know about this. And so, and so, oh, I, and so, uh, you know, and, and, and so two months later she hadn't returned and I wrote her and I said, I would be, um, I would be blessed to bring Posh into my household. And, and I, and meanwhile, I knew from day one, I started going down there eating with Posh. She was downstairs and bringing her up and, you know, meeting the other cats and all that. But when all of them passed, Posh's demeanor changed. She became kind of a violent cat and all that. Um, yeah. And, but she was alone for just a couple of years. That's when my very best friend, Linda took quite ill. And she had a very rare form of melanoma called interstitial melanoma, which means it's in every orifice of the body that has mucous membranes. Yeah. And yeah. So I actually, um, I don't want to say lived, but I, I, I stayed a lot with her in hospice and overnight and stuff. And what started to happen to me was that return to 
the the vegetarian, the cheese, and not, and then I stopped working out. I really let myself go, and it was all about her. So just kind of looking back from that point on, and you have had so many challenges throughout your life, but a few things have been sort of always been issues for you. Uh, the food, and and I get it. So the the binging, you had stopped for quite a while, but kind of going back right. to the comfort foods, it sounds like. So even though you knew that, say, the raw foods were probably the best way to eat, the best foods in the planet, for comfort and for soothing, you would go back to the dairy. More, mainly vegetarian is what it sounds like what yeah, you're saying, like exactly. the dairy and maybe the eggs. Um, okay, so you had that going on. And then I, I want to make sure that when you talk about your health and your diagnosis that you bring back the the fact that you always lived with insomnia so insomnia was was a thing that you also struggled with and also um, because you were on the psychotrophic um, medications more specifically lithium lithium even though you only took that for two years would come back and haunt you like the side effects of that um, so yeah so can you and it was soon after, it sounds like, um, you know, you lost your friend. Then you began to kind of, again, you've been growing this whole time in as a fitness instructor, yoga instructor. You were going to massage school. And that's when I started to go to massage was after she passed because she once said to me, I said to her, I want to become a massage therapist and I want to uh, want to focus on what then was I wanted to do oncology massage. And she said, oh, I'll pay for that. And she did. She left me money to go to massage school. I think I started at 57 and I graduated at 59. And uh, I was, I, I just, that, it, it was school and it was intense. And it was, uh, I had 640 hours for the course, but I also did private tutoring for that many hours as well. So because I'm at, I was that age because you think I was going to remember all this stuff and I'm still dealing with insomnia and I'm just like, and I'm going to school with 18 year olds who come in, you know, I was up all night. I didn't, I didn't study. Oh, good for you. I killed myself studying, you know, but I was determined to graduate as valedictorian. I chose a school. It was called educating hands. It was uh, considered the number one private massage school in Florida. I chose that school on purpose because they it's the only school in the state that required a 20 page paper to graduate. And I wanted that whole experience. I was eating junk food, junk, 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 and just junk, but it was just like junk food, vegetarian, junk food, vegan, right? I was, I gained 42 pounds. So my highest was 162. And then one day in school, we were experimenting with the blood pressure cuff. And I thought I was smug. I thought it was cool. I was slick because I always had low blood pressure. Like, it was great. They took my blood pressure and I, I said, excuse me? It's what? And I made, the, I made the, he was a professor. I made the professor say, you take that blood pressure, please. And he did. And I was like, Maya, not kidding you. The next day, vegan. Vegan, no crap. From then on, I was just, clean food. And then I, I, uh, I had started to discover, uh, chef AJ online. And then she's talking about sofas free. So for that's no salt, oil, flour, alcohol, nor sugar. I said, I'm down with that. That sounds great. And, um, 
But after graduation and shortly uh, was Hurricane Irma. And so with Hurricane Irma, what we were told was that South Beach was going to be the eye. So I, you know, I, I, I was petrified and I was told your kitchen cabinets are going to come down. You get, you know, all of this stuff. And I was packing up for a couple of days and, uh, trying to just hide stuff in the apartment. I had two cats because by then I also got another beautiful cat by the name of boy. <laughs> and so boy and posh. And, um, and so, um, but what had happened was the, the two nights before the storm hit, I collapsed. And I mean, I went down to the floor. I was out in the hallway in front of my neighbor. And he was like, what the hell's the matter with you? I'm sorry. <laughs> he said, what, you know, what's the matter with you? And uh, I hit hard and it was out of my control. And I started having these attacks. It was right on my left side. And I was thinking, oh my, what is this? You know, I, what is this? And, but it was crippling. And then I noticed it, uh, it's a little TMI, but it's important to know because I later found out some stuff when I would have to defecate, it was beyond brutal. And so I was like that for months. I was, I, I evacuated with my two cats to a hotel. It was happening in the hotel, but I let it go for months until I was like, I gotta go to the doctor. I finally did. My first doctor I went to, I, 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 I actually had a client here in the building for massage. She was a cancer surgeon. So she did an examination of me just in, in her apartment. And she said, I want you to request this, 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 all this stuff. I went and got a blood work done. And then I didn't like, but I felt like I went to a, a, a clinic and I said, I want to go to something way better than this. So a friend of mine, I'm going to say his name because he's awesome. His name is Paul Nissan, and he's also plant-based and he's a raw foodie. And a friend of his was Chris Wark. So he told me Chris Wark went to go see a biochemist in Hollywood, Florida. So that's not far from me. And he said, you go to him because he has a cancer profile, a longevity profile for blood work. I said, I'm going, if that's good enough for Chris Wark, I'm going, I'm going to this guy. He does the blood work, urine analysis, and this is what he comes back with from a blood work perspective. All right. Really low B12, super high homocysteine. So he says to me, you work out hard. You're not a candidate for cardiovascular disease. He goes to me, but you're a heart attack waiting to happen. I said, oh, okay, thanks. Okay, but that's, but I understand that's kind of true. And then low D3, almost non-existent. Um, low protein. How many people have you heard with low protein? Le low protein, it was unheard of. I said, okay. Protein deficiency is rare unless you're in that starvation phase, right? Which we know with probably over-exercising. And the way I was eating and the crap food, you know, this was the first blood work I had after Linda's whole thing. That was four years of her journey was four years of me eating crap pola. Yep. Low protein, low calcium. I mean, everything that a vegan could have that's that, for blood work, that was me. And then he was, he looked at the blood work and he said, you have the osteoporosis of a 90 year old. 
So he told me this and um, then I went for more because he's the one who came up with, he said, you have two high cancer markers, thyroid and ovarian. Because of that high cancer marker for thyroid, I then went to go see an endocrinologist. This is all within three months. She told me, you have subclinical hypothyroid. I was showing classic signs of um, constipation and very thinning hair. I do believe that women are misdiagnosed with symptoms of menopause younger. And then um, we had to deal with the pain here, right? So I went to a gastroenterologist. He said to me, food has nothing to do with the health of your colon. I didn't stay with him for a long time. I I let him go, but not right away because I wanted the tests. (laughs) And so I needed the tests. So he did a colonic, I mean, uh, pardon me, he did a um, a colonoscopy. And you know that I was so constipated that I couldn't release any of that stuff. I went for the colonoscopy with my belly. I'm going to stick it right out to here from the stuff. I never, ever released the stuff out of me. He had to do a procedure to release the stuff. But by then, I was practicing sofas free. And so that came back as super clean. The, the, the colon was like super clean, which was great, right? But he, he, he did see that I have a tortious um, sigmoid colon. He sent me to the gynecologist. We did a transvaginal ultrasound, and it comes back with <laughs> two ovarian cysts pushing into the sigmoid colon, and they are the size of a grapefruit. Then it comes back with, I'm about a fraction away from uterine cancer because the, the uterine lining was so thick. And it comes back with about this size of a, a small fist. So the first one I showed was two fists stacked for a cyst on the left. The one I'm showing on the right is for part of one fist, what they were calling a small orange sitting on my right ovary. And that became the journey of where I am now of a four to seven hour a day protocol. And in within, but I will say this, uh, and I've embraced castor oil pack treatments, infrared sauna, um, infrared heating pads for those castor oil pack treatments, essential oils. Everything that I do, anything I touch, anything I eat is organic except for the foods that are cleared by the EWG for the clean 15, because I can't risk anything. Um, and, um, I also had, they, they felt around my neck and throat. And because of the thyroid stuff, I had a scan done and I I think they have something to do with the iodine with that as well. When you take a scan of that and it's hard for me to remember. Um, I came back with two thyroid nodules and an enlarged lymph node. And I also have, it's going to sound disgusting, but because there were eight, there were eight masses at one time that I got diagnosed with. I'm going to show you, I have a large hand. I have like a guy side hand. Okay. And it is a knuckle size 
of a skin tag hanging out of my anus. All right. So everything, it, all of these issues at once. Now, when I went to the endocrinologist, she said to me, what medication were you on back then? And I told her of about lithium. And she said to me, we now know that those thyroid nodules are because of lithium. And I said, and possibly the lymph node, okay? The enlarged lymph node, more or less, it's probably just because of they're there. And, um, and I asked her because, oh, I neglected to mention, I have a tumor in my liver. But the tumor in the liver is a hemangioma, which means it could have been congenital. Actually, what I brought this up and I said, is, do you think this is possible that my mother had me induced and forceps? And it was, the answer was, it is possible. We don't know it because basically what it is, it's just the, 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 the function of the liver is fantastic. My enzymes, all of it was fantastic. It's the form. So I have a jumble of blood vessels that are forming a hemangioma, but they're working fine. All right, fine. Great. As long as my, all of that is healthy, uh, I wish it wasn't the other way, but okay, great. So when I do castor oil pack treatments, I have a castor oil pack on my liver. I have castor oil packs on my ovaries. I have a castor oil pack because I also had a very dense breast tissue in the left breast. So I have it on the outer quadrant of the breast and I have it also on the throat for, uh, on the thyroid nodules. So I embrace all of these different modalities, do yoga, I weight lift, I do my cardio, uh, I dry brush my skin every day. I, uh, I, I typically, like today, I'll, I'll jump on the rebounder uh, wearing one pound wrist weights for 37 minutes. Then I come off, take them off, put on an 11 and a half pound weighted vest. I go outside on my beach and I do a fitness walk for 45 minutes. And, um, within two years, less than two years, I'm no longer a, a, a candidate for hypothyroid. And in fact, I watched my, thank you, yay is right. I watched my doctor write it on my chart, no longer hypo, subclinical hypothyroid. Yep. And then uh, I went and I got Dr. Frank Sabatino, who I met through Chef AJ and, the, and, and her summits. Um, I went and I did in 2019, it was just before the pandemic hit. Okay. I'm there in October and I go to, uh, work with Dr. Sabatino, Frank Sabatino in Deerfield beach for a water fast. So what I did was it was a 16 day program, but I was there for water fasting 10 days. So he knew I was already eating. I was doing the lifestyle at this point for sure. So I had two days of juicing. Oh my God, they were like the best juices I ever had. They were so awesome. Uh, two days of juicing and then followed by 10 days of water. I had the second day I had like, like a hypoglycemic attack and stuff. Oh my God, it was wild. And um, I had my cat boy with me because Posh had passed away. And um, 
just picked him up and just, you know, stayed in the hotel. It was, it's a, the Wyndham hotel was part of the program at the time. And, and, um, got through that spell. And what was part of the program was every day attending lectures that Dr. Sabatino would give. And, um, he would ask us to please go out on the beach to get in the sun, but like early in the morning and, um, which was, I, I loved. And, um, and then it was four, four and a half days of refeeding. And when I got home, I had one week later, another, um, transvaginal ultrasound. And, um, they found that there was no more cyst on that right ovary. It was gone. Um, I'm not sure if it was attributed to the fast or that had had occurred before or not, but I can tell you it was very close together. And um, th- that I shed it like I didn't even feel it. And let me explain why this is so important with the protocol because dry brushing the skin and doing rebounding is all about strengthening the lymphatics. I knew I had asked. My first gynecologist, he wanted to give me a hysterectomy. And he was like, no, we can't have you in pain. We can't have you go through another attack. I'm like, we? (laughs) We. And uh, I asked him, I said, if this thing bursts, we already knew it was the type of cyst that was not poisonous. So if it burst, it wouldn't poison me. And I knew that I needed to have my lymphatics strong enough in order to absorb this material in my body instead of sending it circulating, which is why the dry brush, which was why the castor oil pack treatments, which was why the jumping on the rebounder. And, um, I asked him before the fast, I said, can I, I need some time with this. And he said, uh, he didn't want to really give me time, but what he wasn't telling me Maya was that he was, leaving the hospital and he was going into private practice. I was with the hospital with U of M and he, he wasn't telling me. And when I, I went, well, why are you such in a hurry for me to get a hysterectomy, not even an oophectomy, a, 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 a hysterectomy. And then I just said to him, doc, I'm really sorry, but I don't want to be the down payment on your first month's rent of your new office. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't go back to him. You know, I, I, fe- I felt kind of bad about that, but it just came out of my mouth. And I found a doctor who fully supported me. And she said, no, you don't have to have any surgeries. And she supported me with, you keep going and doing what you're doing. And that, that's what my, my endocrinologist said then, because she started off with wanting to put me on thyroid medication. She said, you may have to have a thyroidectomy. And I'm just hurt too. I was like, hold the phone. I feel the need to kind of put a disclaimer here that yeah, we're not giving medical advice whatsoever. I, uh, you're sharing your story of based on your research and t- doing alternative therapies. You're sharing your story of what you felt worked for you and did work for you um, because you would be in a different place today if you had not uh, put those in place. Yes. Um, but you came back from that water fast and you saw like a, a reduction in some of your issues. Yes. And, the, and one we didn't mention, one we didn't mention was I was, 
that that uterine lining went down by 33% within, and that, that truly was from the fast. But yes, this is anecdotal. This is my personal journey, you know, and I, and I always went at that time to the doctors for the blood work, to the medical doctors. I told them what I was doing and I went and I, um, I wanted my tests because ultimately and finally it was the diet, it was the testing that determined how I approach this with supplements and with my food. And, and it wasn't just willy nilly. No, it was not. It was well thought out, highly researched. And, um, but I, I would not, I would not encourage people to do this. I would not, meaning, meaning I wouldn't encourage people to just go ahead and start something I'm doing because it worked for me. No, you have to know your own body and your own, get your own testing done. You know that lithium contributed to some of your health issues along with insomnia. Can you talk a little bit about what you believe now to have been a, um, a contributor, like how insomnia play, might've played a role in your health problems? Yeah. The thing is, is that we now know that sleep is what is going to help somebody heal and it's during your sleep hours. And I have, I have been for 60 years sleeping between one to four hours a night. If I get five, I'm lucky. And I wake up a couple of times. So if you don't have that time to let the process of healing occur, I do believe more of this would be gone. I mean, it's amazing to me that even I, I, that I've gotten the success I have. I have been asymptomatic with the ovarian cyst spasms since August, 2020, asymptomatic. And it's incredible. Um, the, the other thing is, is that we really didn't really talk about is after um, around 2016, in school, um, I had started to hear voices and I was on the medications and one of my school chums said to me, you know, those voices you hear, it could be your medications. You've been on them a long time. And I gave it thought. And, uh, so I did something again that I'm not going to advise anybody. Please don't do this. <clears throat> please don't because it was a rough ride. Um, I weaned myself off of all the psychotropic drugs and I took two and a half years to do it, uh, which is why probably from the perspective of getting off of them, it worked in my favor because I took so long to do it. But um, because Maya, they didn't help me sleep. They were being prescribed to me to help me sleep. And, you know, one of my former clients uh, is now a PhD for psychotherapy. And, uh, and she's a, she's a music therapist. And she said to me, I never believed you were manic depressive. You were bipolar. She's what I believe you are <laughs> is emotional. And I was like, that's about right. That's about right. You know, I mean, cause I am, cause I could fly on a dime. I can go from zero to 60, you know, fast. Right. <laughs> And, um, that's right. I don't care if I don't do anybody damage. I don't care. Okay. Um, so, but, but it was a process of de of detoxing. I went through withdrawals. So again, another thing I wouldn't advise you do it. Don't do it. 
going back around full, you know, now coming back around to where you first started in your interest for fitness. And the reason that I was excited to have you on the show was to talk about um, your work with older adults in fitness. You have a program now, uh, or you can talk to us right now about what you do in terms of how you coach older adults and, um, and what can we expect that may be coming up with you? Okay. Thank you for this. I appreciate it. Um, I was, um, very close to my grandparents, my mother's parents, unbelievably close to them. And when I was at Eastern athletic club, um, the, the, one of the owners and manager was an older woman and she approached me and said to me, um, we want to start a senior program here and we think you're it. We think you would be great with them. And I thought, yeah, I think so too. And um, so I started a program with them where I taught them how to weight lift. We would, we would meet um, in a room. They, I taught them how to use some cardio equipment. So they would then on their own warm up before class. And um, then we would meet and we would do stretching. And then I would bring them into the gym and we would weight lift. And they would learn how to partner each other on the equipment. And they got to the point where they were coming to work out on their own without me, which was great. And I taught it. I taught the class. And then we developed what's called the senior, the senior sport program there. And um, so that included taking them on walks over the Brooklyn Bridge. And I'm telling you, I took 80-something-year-olds over that bridge. And they did it. They, and they, it wasn't one way. It was over and back. I, we brought food, we brought drink, and I and I would stop every once in a while, drink, and I stretch, and then I would take their pulse, and um, and then okay, and let's let's and they loved it. And there were times we would even back then we would journey out to local grocery stores, and we would um, I would teach them how to read the labels on, uh, you know, whatever they're looking at to eat. And, um, I, I absolutely, it was such a fit for me. And how old were you then? You must've been very, I was, I, I I was, uh, I guess now that I think about it, I worked there for 11 years. So I guess I was 30 something, 31, two, three, something like that. And now that I am a senior myself, almost officially, right. I'm going to be 64. I've still been working with this clientele all along down here, all along. And so much so that, um, in, for my massage therapy, I have a specialty in geriatric massage where, um, I do work on people with Alzheimer's. I also do palliative care massage, meaning people who are in the the process of transitioning. The thing that has been a continuum for me in the work as a trainer, as a yoga instructor, and as a massage therapist is I'm guided by two things. Well, three things now, but one is, um, I've always been in contact with my clients, doctors, for some people, it could be their acupuncturist. If it's their physical therapist, whomever they feel knows their body and their health, the best, their health history, because I'm not touching anybody especially the people I work with, there's many different conditions, issues, medications, and always has been. Back then you used the, 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 I think it was the physician's desk reference, the PDR. Well now, but, but I also had to make a lot of calls to a lot of different specialists, surgeons. I didn't care. I would talk to whomever 
and I still continue that process. So if somebody meets with me and my first session is going to be that client health history form, I don't care how old you are, it's going to be that. Because if you've got conditions and issues, I don't care how healthy you are, if you've got stuff going on and there are medications, I understand how to work with protocols in a demographic. However, you are an individual within a demographic. So I have to know about you specifically, right? So we learn about the medications. We learn about movements that are contraindicated. So if somebody's got osteo, full-blown osteoporosis, well, I got to be, I got to be aware of certain movements to avoid as a protocol. But then I want to find out from your, whomever your healthcare provider is, what they think I ought to avoid, uh, avoid. And then I also find out from everybody, what do you think I should do? What movements should I incorporate? And now at this point in time, I do bring the food into play. So, um, and, and even though a lot of my clients are not whole food plant exclusive, but they've gotten a lot more plant dominant because of me. And I'm really happy about that. So if they have digestive issues, I've got them making green smoothies so you can get those greens in them some way, you know, um, what I'm, I'm super excited about, and I'm going to have to actually literally read it to you. Okay. Is, um, I've been a member of chef AJ's feel fabulous over 40 group since the day it started. And, um, which is over three years ago. I, I, um, I adore her. I adore her work. Um, and I started following her because I, my, to maintain my own, my own motivation and inspiration. And, uh, because I was like, she's got great people on her show. Your husband, you guys included, I was just like, these people are great. You know, I'm learning so much. And when it comes to a weight loss perspective, what can I learn to help my clients? So, um, with, it's called feel fabulous over 40. And, um, they, uh, once a month, we have a, a private Q and a with Dr. Doug Lyle. Once this is as of right now. Okay. The, the program could change, but as of right now, um, we ha- we meet once a month with Dr. Frank Sabatino for a Q and Um, we meet every Wednesday on a zoom live with chef AJ. And there's also going to be like success stories. It's marvelous. You hear how, how people have transitioned from sad to whole food plant exclusive and what their, what their healing and uh, their, their healing and health journeys have been. And so, um, I, <laughs> I, uh, this was just, uh, after, I think it was just before Thanksgiving and, um, I, uh, I, I, I wake up one morning to, uh, an email from Toby, Tobias. He's, well, he's the producer. He's, he's the, uh, he, he runs Better Life Summits. And Better Life Summits produces chefs, Chef AJ Summits. And in fact, today she started the Truth About Weight Loss Summit. And, um, and they also produce with her um, Feel Fabulous Over 40. And um, he asks me in an email, he wrote, he's, would you be interested in working for us? Because we think you'd be a fit. What? And I'm going, <laughs> that's great. What? I'm like, 
hell yeah. You know, I'm just like, are you kidding? I mean, these are my people. These are the people I love to work with. And, and, and when you see the Zooms, because we see each other in the gallery, and, and, and then we're also the same people on the chat with her Chef AJ's live YouTube show, right? And um, so um, I see them, and I see some people are really challenged, you know, Maya, and especially women, really challenged. And some of them are um, wheelchair-bound. And some of them are, um, you know, or, or have to be in a chair most of the day, or, or some of them are bedridden. So I, I, I spoke to Battle Life Summits. I said, we have to include these people in their exercise. So I am a, I, I, I present videos for them and they're on, they've started to be on their platform now, um, where I do strength training. And, um, not too sure where we're going yet with the yoga, but, um, I, I've done a, a chair yoga. So if somebody is wheelchair or, or, you know, sitting up in a bed, they can do it. So what I do is, um, I, I present exercises without weight for the first set because some people they're brand new to this. They can't even, you know, you can't put a weight in your hand. You just got to start from what's the movement. And then the second set, I'll show weight. And um, so I just want to want to read this to you that FFOF, uh, Feel Fabulous Over 40, is a membership community that originated from a collaboration between Better Life Summits and Chef Ed- AJ following the first ever The Truth About Weight Loss Summit in 2019. The intention is to create a place where community members can find ongoing inspiration, information, and support they need for a healthy life and permanent weight loss, if that's what they're after. And, you know, I just described what, what is involved, um, what, what they provide. There's what, what I'm also involved with, um, and you get to do it as a volunteer basis, they have an accountability partnering process also uh, uh, on, on FFOF. And it's... Uh, it's very, very um, encouraging. It's um, it's enlightening. It's um, it's hopeful, um, and you're helping each other out. So it's a beautiful program. It really is. And I am just, I'm just like I get to. I, you mean I don't have to explain how I eat? Oh my God! I don't have to talk about the significance of protein. <laughs> you already know this is unbelievable, but. You know, I am so blessed, and this is happening at my age. You know, and and um, I'm I am very grateful, and I'm having a blast with it. I really am. Congratulations on that! And Thank so, you. what can we expect as a result of that? Uh, where you where you're partnering or working for Toby, uh, Tobias? Yeah, and that's what it is. It's for it's uh, my 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 con- contribution is as the exercise instructor. A yoga instructor to and to record videos for them and what they do is they put those videos on the platform so they're there and that the the members can go and they can work out with me 
So, and you said this before, I love it. You are going to work with that population, that a group of people that have been forgotten and ignored in a sense in the fitness world. Oh, definitely. So you, oh, definitely. in the fitness world, you, you're, we're catering to people that want to do competitions, a muscle building. Well, there are different areas, right? Uh, different age groups and things like that. Um, but for the people that really, really need exercise, ask medicine, I feel like that's the group of people that we're sort of ignoring. Uh, and, I'm, and, and that's the people I've been serving for over three decades. Incredible. And more Thank specifically, you. now you're talking about people with disabilities and people even, um, I, you know, are you still working with palliative care patients? Are you still in that field oh, as yeah. well? Oh, okay. yeah. The, that, from a massage therapy perspective, no. I mean, I just I just went through that with uh, my beautiful client. I, I, I won't say his first name, but um, it was an incredible experience of being his massage therapist. He had Alzheimer's. And um, oh my God, when I first met him, he, when I first met him, he was tough. He, he you know, now I, un I had understood why they had purchased uh, like a, a stool with casters because he, 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 though he had a stroke on, on one arm, that other arm, he could throw an uppercut and I knew I could just slide around and I'd be like, Jack, you ain't get me, man. I know you want to, but you're not, you know? And, and I, I just, I fell in love with him and his feistiness and, um, and, and he allowed me that honor to work with him. And it was to the point where he no longer spoke. And, um, and then I worked with him for the last couple of weeks of his life. Um, just before shortly, he then made his transition and I would just talk to him. I would play, I would play some Kirtan. I asked permission to do that. And that, he had an incredible nurse, a live-in nurse, just unbelievable young man. And, uh, totally, he let me do what I needed to do with essential oils and stuff. And he, just let me do it. And when I do the, when I do that type of massage or geriatric massages, which again are more toward Alzheimer's, that type of thing, or people with other conditions that they're, they're typically done where they're in a reclining chair in the house or in a home hospital bed. They're not done on a table. These people can't really get up and up and down off a table. Plus the, the, um, it's only 30 minutes, the treatment. And, uh, which is just enough. You don't want to innervate somebody. Um, but you know, I had another client with, with Alzheimer's. Now she was totally the opposite. She would be like, you walk in wanting to kiss, you know, I got the uppercut from one and the kissings from the other. And it was all great. And I used to sing to her in, in Italian. I would sing to her. I would, we would play, um, big band music for her. We played, uh, for the other one, we played for him. He loved Elvis. So we would play Elvis or, and he also loved Nat King Cole. So you try to appeal to them at what was important to them in their life at one point, particularly from a sound perspective, you know, and, um, I do work with people. I've worked with people with cancers and diabetes and, Parkinson's. I've worked with people, Parkinsonians from stage one to stage four, where it would be, you know, in a gym to working with him, literally being in the bed with him, you know? Um, and it's just been an incredible 
I'm proud of uh, my website. The testimonials on my website are very, very different from each other. And I think people will get a very good idea as to my work that way. Wonderful. Well, this has been incredible to, you know, hear your story of really um, overcoming a lot of um, kind of tribulations and difficulties and, um, you know, health problems to where now you're giving back and you're helping others. And I must say, you you. look incredible, like with your arms, you look so toned and beautiful and (laughs) strong, incredible. And now you're helping, now you'll be contributing all these videos for the program. So what is the best way that our listeners can either learn more about you by say, you know, following your newsletter or even learning about the the program that you are now working with, um, with Chef AJ? Okay, great. Well, for, for Chef AJ, um, I, what I'll do is I'll send you that link for her, the website. It's a specific website for that on, for them to get into. So I'll send that for you in for, you can have on the show notes for me, they can go to my website and they can, which is, uh, uh, www.boomerandbeyondwellness.com. I'll say it again, www.boomerandbeyondwellness.com. They can see what my services are there. Um, they can see there's a, a there's a, a, a FAQ there so they can just, you know, see frequently asked questions and um, to see my bio, et cetera, some pictures. And a, there's a contact form there so they can reach me there that way. That, that That's the way I would think would be the best. And I am on Facebook and they can access that also from the website. That's wonderful. Well, I will have all of that in the show notes as well, along with your email if you'd like it there. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Angela, for sharing your story with us today. Thank you, Maya. I appreciate you so much. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. Thanks for listening.